Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. This is the third and final episode of our special series, You Are Not the Only One. This special series is about normalizing the struggle and milestones so we can create connection and community with school leaders on this journey. In these episodes, we open the closed doors to real stories of real people so we can start to normalize this struggle, the joy, the grief, and the milestones of what it takes to build a school of excellence. We want to help our community of leaders find meaning, purpose, and connection throughout this journey and release the shame and guilt that comes with a lot of leadership. I want to invite you to laugh and connect with others, find similar funnies and challenges, and I know that you will find peace and hope through this series as well. So last episode, we kicked off the series with You're Not the Only One in Leading Yourself, and we heard from four amazing owners share their personal stories about what it takes to manage, to lead, and take care of yourself as a leader as you step into the arena of taking care of your center. This week, we're going to dive into leading your team. Leading your team has its own unique challenges, where when you're leading this team, the job entails high levels of resilience, high levels of tolerating discomfort, and sharing space and supplies. You also need high levels of empathy, because it's a caretaking role, and high levels of accountability, because after all, you're running the school, right? And when you put all of this together, you have a recipe for a lot of hard work. Now, if we take it a step further and we add the layer that this role is very isolating, where you spend eight to 10 hours a day running around, keeping the center operating, and you don't really have time for a social life. And so like anything in life, when things happen in your center with your staff, because they do, you feel isolated. The moment you feel isolated and you feel like you're the only one, shame creeps in. That's what shame wants. Shame wants you to believe that you're the only one. And that's why the moment you have conversation, shame dies. Shame cannot live in the limelight of conversation with other people because now you've eradicated it, right? It ha- you've cut off its life force. So when you're in isolation, shame, blame, you start punishing yourself and then you start believing I have to work harder. I need to do better. I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my staff. I should just fire everyone. I should start over again. This is not working. I need to hustle more. I need to put in more hours and your never ending cycle of shame and blame and isolation 
No wonder so many of you are burnt out, right? And so in today's conversation, I want to invite you to stop the cycle. I want to invite you to hear the stories of three incredible leaders as they talk about what it takes to lead their team. This is a combination of directors, executive directors, and owners who are all working hard to build schools of excellence. You'll hear from Donna Reddle, who's a member of our Directors in Our Circle, Leslie Webb, who's a member of our Owners HQ program, and Maria Fitzgibbon, who's also a member of our Owners HQ program and our newest member. So today I want to dive into a question that I asked these three amazing ladies, where I asked them to share a conversation that they had with a teacher that made them feel guilty, where they felt guilty after that conversation. Many times you have a difficult conversation with a member of your team, whether that's leadership team or staff or admin. And when you finish the conversation, you feel emotionally and physically drained. Um, You know that you did the right thing. You know that this was an important conversation and you can't shake the guilt off of you. So I want to invite you to listen to all three of their stories and just how they're navigating it and what they're experiencing. I have had to have conversations this school year with a team of teachers who really were not getting along, had not worked together before, and were really being very unkind to one another. And it was difficult to hear them tell the stories individually, and it was difficult to have a meeting with them. And I realized that after the group meeting, it was, I felt really guilty because I had pushed them to be self-reflective and have them work through the issues. And it all, I was asking them to do something that was also hard for me. And I think it had some good results, but I think it was the experience that made it good because we really had to sit with ourselves and, and work through it. And um, why was it hard for me? Why was it hard for them? Why did they need help with that? And I think I think um, it's a tough topic when, you know, disregard for others' feelings come up and a difficult one to solve. And I think it happens a lot. I had a situation where I had to have a hard conversation with a teacher and eventually let her go because of a negative attitude with other staff members and negative interactions with children. It was a particularly hard situation because this teacher had been with us for a long time, and I knew she was having some pretty serious health situations and financial struggles at home. This teacher eventually came back and and wanted her position back when we re-interviewed her One of the things that she stated was that being held accountable really helped her um, become a better teacher and that when I had told her that I knew she could do better in the classroom, she also knew that she could do better. Uh, This teacher has been back with us now for quite a while. She's very positive and she's been a great support for our newer staff members. So two leaders in my organization were not getting along and it was starting to cause a rift between staff. And I was really having a hard time figuring out what dynamic was at play. I tried sort of everything I knew how to try, and I couldn't seem to make progress on the issue. Uh, One of the leaders had some really tough parenting things happening. I was also really close with her and respected her personally and professionally. I knew I needed to make a change with her position, 
And instead of having a bold and honest conversation about what was happening and why, I sugarcoated it, and it created a pretty significant rift between us and made a bigger mess than I tried to clean up. I thought the conversation went terrible because I wasn't clear about my intention and reason. I was and remain today embarrassed by this. In many times in my early leadership, and even sometimes still today, when I'm having a really tough conversation with staff, I have a hard time being present for it, or I sugarcoat it, or I try to get it over with really quickly to avoid the anxiety that I feel in the conversation. I think part of it comes from being so invested in our team. I have chosen to become emotionally invested in their success, which makes it more difficult to have tough conversations. As you heard from the stories that these lovely women shared, is there's a lot of different examples or scenarios that happen that rack us with guilt or shame. And really depending on you and your upbringing, your personality, your makeup, your mindset, your perspective, all of those things are going to impact how you feel about something. What's important to remember is that guilt is venom. And once it gets inside of you and you allow it to percolate, it can destroy you. Letting go of guilt is the hardest part right? Because it's done very slowly over time and it needs to be done in connection with community who consistently remind you of your greatness. Because in moments when you have felt shame, loneliness, or fear, leaning into community can be a tremendous source of support and guidance. There are many times when you need to do something that's challenging, whether that's uh, raising your tuition rates or having a difficult conversation with a member of your admin and leadership team that they're not hitting their metrics or outcome goals or having a challenging conversation with the teacher that she's no longer a fit for the company. These conversations are hard. And so many times we lean on our self-reliance more than we lean on community. In the previous episode of You're Not the Only One in Leading Yourself, I speak a lot about the concept of community and the concept of understanding that being surrounded by community really impacts our ability to navigate these conversations with more grace and more ease. So I want to invite you to listen to Donna and Maria's responses to how they've leaned into community and how that's supported their journey. And then I'll share with you a little bit more about some strategies, how you can help your team lean into the power of community and belonging. I've almost always found that when I figure out what's happening in the industry, that what I'm experiencing is not abnormal. Um, you know, sometimes when you're experiencing a tough staffing moment, uh, it can feel very personal and uh, like it's only happening to you. But almost always when I reach out and find out what other people are experiencing, I find that my experience is not that abnormal, seems to run in trends and is pretty very, very typical for what's happening around me. The most surprising thing for me was that when I was participating, I didn't feel like there were a lot of responses and I felt lonely and I, um, it, it made me feel silly even to do it. But then there we were in a connection challenge with three other people who um, one day were sitting, uh, having a Zoom call and connecting and I was on vacation. I was watching them managing their offices and still participating in our in our Zoom call. And then two days later, 
I was in the opposite position. I was doing what I was with my team and they were and they were um able to really focus. And it was interesting to me because I didn't uh it, it was so much fun to finally see other leaders doing exactly what I do every day. And it just made me giggle and laugh um and just made me feel better to lean into that community. So when you think of great communities for yourself and for your teams, you know, we all know that networking, sharing ideas, doing things like this is so great. And then life happens, things are going on. We kind of tell ourselves stories like, oh, I just need to catch up. I just need to, you know, put together all my systems and my operations. And I just need to put together these handbooks and I just need to put together these onboarding things, and then I'm going to connect with community. I just need to do blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to do, you know, all of the other things. And when we say those things, what we're basically saying is community is an obligation and a liability. And until I figure all of this stuff out, I can't allow myself to go do that because that's, you know, extra and an obligation and I don't need more obligations. And, you know, that's just a a bigger drain on my time and I don't have extra time. And this is what I've seen time and time again. And this is why I'm creating this conversation here on the podcast, because I think it's so important to have this conversation. Community is not something you do as a reward for all of your hard work. It's not. Eating is not something you do after your hard work. Eating is part of your life force. You need to eat every single day. Sleeping is part of your life force. Drinking water, right? (sighs) Too many of us have grown up with so much isolation, with very little community and support that we almost look at community and support as this extra in life of like, Yeah, it's a nice to have, but it's not something that I have time for right now. And through this conversation, I want to help hopefully shift your perspective on why community is not an extra and why it is a crucial component in understanding how to lead your team to excellence. The prioritization of eating, sleeping, drinking water, right, comes pretty high on our list of to-dos because if we don't eat for a couple of days, you can die, right? I think it's, I don't know how many days a person can go, maybe seven days, and then I think it's four days without water, maybe three days without water. But part of our hardwiring is that food and water and shelter is part of our survival needs, right? To stay physically alive. What the pandemic has shown us is how critical community and connection is to our spiritual and mental well-being, which is critical. And we know that our spiritual and mental well-being impacts our physical well-being, right? People that are lonely actually get sick. They get sick, physically sick. Loneliness is an epidemic. Um, In a different conversation I had in a previous episode uh, where I talked about community and belonging, um, separate episode to this, to the previous one, I spoke about a study that they did uh, in the American Healthcare Organization 
where they correlated loneliness with equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, that's how unhealthy it is for you, right? But we don't look at it that way because like, oh, I'm not smoking, so I'm fine. Yeah, but you're lonely. You're trying to do everything alone. You're trying to be this self-reliant big shot who thinks that they don't need anyone. But you do because we all need each other. So when you think of the definition of community, it's really distilled to very few things. When you belong to a community and you don't have anxiety and uncertainty about where you stand within this community, you have a sense of belonging, right? If you are constantly trying to decide, do I belong here? Do I not? It's exhausting to manage and it's very tiring. And so if you're constantly trying to manage it at a certain point, you avoid it. And in a community of belonging, your social standing doesn't hinge on moment-to-moment interactions with people. You're accepted for who you are and there's grace for mistakes, right? So what happens is, is when you don't have this sense of community with other school leaders or your staff, right, and trying to lead your team, if they don't have this, what it starts to look like is you'll see people pleasing and fawning and avoidance and high anxiety and frustration and low tolerance and perfectionism. All of those things are symptoms of not belonging, not belonging to yourself, not belonging to community, not having a support system. It doesn't mean that if someone has perfectionism, they don't belong to community. It just means that when someone belongs to community, they are less likely to be paralyzed by perfectionism because the people in their community will support them through that. Um, If someone has people-pleasing tendencies, it doesn't mean that they're never going to people-please. It means that if they're in the right community, their friends and their colleagues will support them and give graceful feedback with empathy and accountability when they're doing that. If you're noticing within your team in trying to lead your team, if you're noticing some of these behaviors, right, it's a symptom of a fragmented community within your culture. And it's something really worth exploring, right? Because if you're seeing a lot of your staff exhibiting these behaviors, they're struggling with belonging. They're struggling with community because when people feel accepted, they don't people please. When people feel worthy, they don't. They don't do perfectionism, right? When people feel connected, they don't have as much high anxiety. They don't avoid the conversations. They have a higher tolerance for other people's stuff that are going on, right? Everything doesn't have to be exactly the way that you want it to be. If you're noticing these behaviors in yourself, you might be longing for community and friendships. I recently did a training inside of our membership, our directors in our circle, our owners HQ program. Um, And one of the things that a lot of our members have been noticing is in this stage of leadership, they're reevaluating their social circle. They're reevaluating and asking themselves, is this the type of community? Is, am I in the right type of community? 
right? Do I have the right type of friends? And one of the things we do a lot inside of our membership is encourage friendships and bring people together. It's why I, myself and Michalino, who's our head of community, why we get to know our members personally, because we want to know what season of life are they in? Are they parents? What season of parenting are they in? Uh, what are their values? What are their goals? Where do they live? Uh, what are the challenges that they are possibly navigating, uh, both from a bureaucratic little level uh, down to a financial level, uh, culturally, socioeconomically, what, what's going on over there? And then we connect them with other people inside of our program because it's less about connecting how you're impacted by government because you can't control government. It's a lot more about, do you have shared values and shared goals? Cause you'll figure out how to, you know, get around all the red tape. And so people are asking questions around, you know, are they being supported? Are they being elevated? Are they finding grounding? Are they enjoying the peer conversation? Are they being challenged? Are they hearing different perspectives and elevating their mindset? This is the power of community, right? This is the power of community. The other thing that really comes from community and understanding how to lead your team is what happens a lot is the leader sees a milestone or sees something that's possibly worth celebrating. For example, a teacher maybe changes their behavior and starts coming on time consistently right after struggling with it for a long time. And you think about making a point to celebrate the victory, but then you choose not to. Right. You feel like, oh, my patronizing car is this, you know, and, and you get stuck in your head. Not just one example. What happens is, is when you come within community and you ask questions like this. Right. And you recognize, oh, I'm not the only one that's celebrating a milestone like this. I'm not the only one that's, you know, sometimes we look at milestones that we reach within our teams, whether that's more cohesion on the team, or we feel like we're having more people on the same page, or there's less conflict and avoidance. And we're just, we're, we're noticing certain mile markers and we're proud of them, but we don't celebrate them because we're like, uh, I don't know, is that, <laughs> it's almost like when you celebrate something, we feel like we create this barometer of like, is it worthy of celebration? For example, you know, when, a two-year-old who's toilet training goes to the bathroom, we make a celebration, right? It's worthy of celebration. He's two, he's toilet training. When a seven-year-old goes to the bathroom, we don't make a celebration because it's not worthy of a celebration. There are seven. They've been toilet trained for four years, five years. The issue is, is that in childcare, and I find this in school leadership, is we only define milestones or celebrating things with our team as these like giant things that we've decided as these metrics for success, right? We've decided this is successful. This is worthy of celebration. This, eh, that's, that's basics. The danger in doing that is that if your team is not aligned with how are we celebrating success and what is defined as winning, then they never feel like they're winning because you keep moving the goalpost. When someone doesn't feel like they're winning, guess what they're not doing? They're not showing up to that place. Ain't nobody want to be a freaking loser. I don't want to be a loser. I want to win. I like being a winner, right? So, and I know you do too. And I know wherever you are listening to this right now, you're saying, yeah, I want to be a winner. Yeah, I know you do. That's why you're listening to this podcast. 
in leading your team, what you need to recognize is celebrating milestones with your team, small successes, okay? You can't only celebrate when you buy a new building or you merge or acquire another location or you enroll 20 children or I don't know what, whatever you defined as these giant mile markers of success. There has to be daily, weekly, monthly successes that our teams can identify as progress, as growth. Um, one of the mile markers that when I work with some of my higher tier clients, we work on sleep and we define success as sleeping through the night. When a leader starts to sleep through the night, it means that we've re reduced their anxiety. We've increased their capacity to sit in the unknown and the uncertainty and still sleep through the night, which means they have expanded their skill set to be okay with not being okay all the time. So now they sleep through the night. Now, some of you might be listening and thinking, oh, what are you, crazy? Like your metrics for success are sleeping through the night? No, not all of our metrics, but that's definitely one of them. When a school leader is home three, four times a week to eat dinner with their family, as opposed to being at the center working, that's a win. That's success. When a school leader starts going on a weekly date with their partner, Instead of saying, oh, I just have to catch up. I just have to work. Oh, we're, I promise we're going to go out. I just need to finish this handbook. Put the handbook down. The handbook's going to be there tomorrow. Go out with your partner. You see, here's where we, here's where we mess things up. We think, oh, my husband's going to still be there tomorrow. I could go out with him tomorrow. The handbook. Oh. That is the gold. I need to finish this handbook. You are addicted to winning. You're addicted to success and work. And being ambitious is very different than being addicted to the dopamine hit every time you check something off, every time you accomplish something at work. It's a totally different thing. And I'm going to record a whole separate podcast um, on this concept of the difference of ambition and addiction, because they get conflated way too many times in school leadership. So let's bring this all together here. Leading your team, understanding that leading your team, you're not the only one that is struggling with understanding what the mile markers are. You're not the only one that sometimes is racked by guilt and shame and overwhelm and anxiety and perfectionism. Remembering that there's community, right? And we have links in the show notes to our owner's HQ program, our director's inner circle. Defining success and understanding how to do that, right? This is a huge part of what we do inside our priorities reset call in the owner's HQ program and director's inner circle. It's a big part of what we do on our monthly coaching calls and conversations of understanding how are you going to define success in this season? You cannot have one definition of success for the rest of your life. When you were 18, you defined success in one way. I hope that when you're 40, you're not defining success in the exact same way. It has to evolve. 
It has to evolve. And so understanding how to lead your team in this season has to be different than it was last season. Because you've changed, you've grown, you've evolved, you've upgraded your mindset, you've elevated your perspective. We love hearing from you. We love hearing from our podcast listeners, from our pod squad. Please send an email, cw at khani.me. Let us know what you're interested in hearing more about, what concepts you want to understand, uh, what topics you want to dive into, questions you want answered. And if you haven't had a chance yet to subscribe and rate and leave us a review on the podcast and Apple iTunes, please take a moment after today's episode to leave us a review. Leaving us a review helps us rank higher and higher in the charts so that more school leaders find out about this podcast. So thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.